0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network.
1: Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now here are the hosts of the Connection, Lisa DeMatis Lapore and Ann Baldwin.
2: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Connection. My name is Ann Baldwin. I'm one of the hosts of the show, and we have
3: Lisa DeMatis Lapore, President and CEO of the Connection. Good morning.
2: Good morning. How are you, Lisa?
3: I'm hanging in there as best as as we all can in these uh, unprecedented times. How about yourself?
2: Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. Some days are better than others. You know, when the weather's a little dreary, I think it doesn't help anything. Um, But, you know, the flowers are starting to pop, and just trying to be grateful for the advantages that we do have because not everybody has what we have at this time, you know. Mm-hmm. So I try to tell myself that there are a lot of people in a lot worse situations than I am. And I have to keep that in mind because otherwise it's easy to go crazy and to speculate and wonder. And I know you've got your own anxiety there with a, as a mother and parent of a, a senior in high school. I mean, there's so many unknowns mm-hmm. there and, you know, there's milestone of grad, high school graduation and going on to college. Um, it's got to be a little trying for you as well. It's been difficult
3: because, you know, um, he's, Nico's been working so hard to, you know, get to this point And, you know, you want to celebrate all his wins and the fact that he, you know, did so well in school. And all, every college he applied to, he got accepted into. Um, and so, but it's difficult. You know, he misses his friends. He misses school. I'd like to give a huge shout-out to Immaculate High School for their ability to immediately hit the ground and run so that the students could have, you know, virtual classroom and you know see each other in class and participate and you know so that's been really helpful. Um but again, you know he it, he had a little bit of a rough weekend this weekend. Um but again, you know as long as we're healthy and we've had no two people now that um actually three people one person passed but we do know two people um, that hit uh, close to home for us who um, had COVID, one was home, but is still sick. Uh, and and she's in, it's into a month, a good friend of uh, uh, our, Nico's one of Nico's friend's moms. But then one of my former supervisors from the Connection um, has been on the ventilator for three weeks and he's just getting weaned off. And that was very upsetting for me to hear. And I just pray that he'll be okay and he'll get through it. So, you know, when it starts really... Mm-hmm. hitting home with people you know it, it, it becomes very real
2: it is real it is real and i believe too that we're starting to see maybe some light at the end of the tunnel every day it changes but uh, i know that our governor is supposed to be giving an update um on that date of May 20th to start opening some things. Um, but then we won't get the final recommendations nationally. So who knows? You know, you just got to, like, like recovery. I look at it that way. You just got to take it one day at a time. That's all you can That's do. That's all you can do. Mm-hmm. Well,
3: um, well, but I, I, we'll, I want to give a shout out to all of the unsung heroes that are on the front line and that every day, you know, um, help people who are at high risk and or are uh, COVID positive that are, you know, out there continuing their mission and their belief and all the health workers that came back out, nurses out of retirement who are really in the front lines and seeing things that we can't even imagine. And, you know, I have an unsung hero um, joining us today on the call today, um, Teresa Ferraro, who's the director of our behavioral health at the agency. And um, Teresa, welcome uh, welcome to to the call. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much. And, um, you know, Teresa uh, is out there on the front line uh, running our treatment programs with high-risk individuals, and she has an amazing team, and those folks are, you know, out there uh, doing the really hard work, and we're so grateful, uh, Teresa, to you and your team. And. So I, I just want to ask you, um, can you describe what it's like working on the front line right now with people in residential care and people who work at our out
1: um, outreach and engagement team? The first thing I want to say is that I appreciate your recognition, but I want to make it very clear that I don't consider myself to be an unsung, unsung hero. I consider my frontline staff to be, and I'm here every day supporting them as much as I can, but as you said, you know, they are the ones who are on the front lines mm-hmm. right now, and really what their focus is, is they're working to maintain the calm and ease the fears of the residents and ease the stress of isolation among our residents. Um, You know, for individuals with chronic mental illness, isolation could lead to an increase in symptoms. So paying particular attention to any change in behavior, any increase in symptoms, is so important right now um, for our residential staff. And you know, as with the entire community, um, being home and being isolated, we tend to probably watch too much news. And so for most of our residents, that is the case and to try to engage them in a different way and try to support them in identifying that they are safe and that they are healthy and really trying to support them in understanding that this is a very difficult time and we know this, but we also know that things will change and things will get better. How that's going to happen is just taking it day by day. Um, and I think, you know, for the outreach and engagement team, we are absolutely taking it day by day. We're on the front lines. We're out, feet on the pavement, trying to identify um, those of the homeless population who really are high risk and have pre-existing conditions and trying to work within um, the homeless system in the state to identify a temporary placement to try to reduce their risk of, of contact, contracting the virus.
2: And if you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Teresa Ferraro. She's a director of behavioral health at The Connection. Teresa, the other question is, you know, I heard something uh, on the news this morning that there were some ways that people can kind of manage their anxiety. You already mentioned one, and that is watching less news because it's, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it is alarming and it's ever changing and they're. You know, there really isn't anything new. It's just, it's just increased anxiety. While we want to be informed, you know, too much can be too much for all of us. So, what are the th- mm-hmm. things that you suggest? Not only to your clients, but maybe we could all use as tools to kind of decrease our anxiety and our fear, especially now.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. I think um, first and foremost is fresh air, and I know that that's so difficult right now, and folks have anxiety over that but really actually going out onto your porch, going into your driveway somewhere where you can be safe, um, but but be outside. Feel the sunshine on your face. I'm hopeful that everyone took advantage of that over the past weekend um, because it makes such a huge difference in being able to breathe fresh air in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some other things for, for folks to be able to do is to move their bodies, and I know that that can also be difficult because we might kind of equate that to, well, I have to be outside to move my body, but that's not not the case at all, being inside and doing something as simple as stretching, feeling your body, feeling all of the muscles in your body, and, and just being aware of your ability to be active in that way. Those are two really important things that I know that our staff have been encouraging at all of our residential programs
2: if you've got access to technology, which I'm sure, you know, maybe some of your clients don't have, there's also online meditations, which I find very helpful and online Mm -hmm. exercise programs that many people are offering for free right now, just to keep people going and get their mind off of this stuff for at least for a little while, because uh, Mm -hmm. that's what we need to be distracted, if you will, a bit.
1: That's a really great point. There are so many um, free, Resources online with regard to activity and meditation, and so I highly encourage everyone to try to access that. And and the, I think the beautiful thing about that is that although our our particular individual residents at our at our group homes might not have access to it, the staff definitely have access to it. You know, so that's like I said, I know something that they're incorporating um, in what they're tra- how they're trying to engage the residents.
2: And Lisa, you and I have talked about this before, and I'm not not—I'm not at all suggesting that that's happening in this program, but, you know, with anxiety, with um, mental health awareness and illness, oftentimes can escalate into other things. I know I've talked to so many people, my circle of friends, where when you're all in close quarters, I mean, a lot of things can happen. Anxiety can increase. Um domestic violence increases. Um, are you yeah. finding within your agency that that's also um, an issue that you're paying close attention to?
3: Well, we we definitely, I mean, we've been trying to um, make sure that we're, you know, staying in touch with staff and our directors are, you know, touching base with their direct staff, like Teresa said, and we've sent out numerous links to our staff about how to, um, take care of themselves and um, reach out to our employee assistance program if they need to, and uh, ways in which they can cope. We also recently rolled out a um, series now for the staff uh, just for them on how to cope with anxiety and stress and um, how they can take care of themselves and giving we're giving them a forum that's just for you know just for them as as people. How can they, you know, cope and handle um, what they're all going through right now? Because it's they're all, you know, going through unique experiences. So we've, and we incorporated that because, again, you know, um, you know, it was really um, t- uh, telling a few weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, when I was sitting in my office and we were already down to an extremely limited number of staff, and within an hour, three staff that worked in the office came and were really upset and crying about already feeling losses of you know not being able to go on vacation not being able to um... you know two two of my staff similar to myself looking forward to you know the prom and graduation and that not happening and you know it really hit me that okay this is you know really i was happy that staff were able to come and talk to me but i could completely relate to where they were as people and how they were feeling and um, I said we we really need to roll out a series for staff to help them. So imagine everyone's under stress, let alone if you're dealing with mental health, addiction, and other issues. Um, we already know that um, if you've been reading in the newspaper, they're already talking about the it's skyrocketing the number of um, d v domestic violence has increased, so I think there's going there is going to be a lot of things that are going to come out of this. Um, where people are going to need increased services. There's no doubt in my mind. Mm -hmm.
2: And, you know, Teresa, some of uh, the folks that are considered essential workers are obvious, right? We've got law enforcement. We've got medical personnel. We've got nurses. We've got people that work in the supermarkets. But um, all the people in your programs are essential uh, personnel as well. Um, What can we do? You know, the folks here on the outside, what can we do to help support essential workers that are kind of not in the forefront or you know not in the limelight if you will
1: right yeah and i appreciate that question because you know that's something that we are facing every day we are essential workers i i guess i would put it in the way that we are non-traditional healthcare workers um and we are not typically considered um, or thought of, I think, Correct. initially when people think of healthcare workers. So advocacy is so important. Um, and we are very lucky here at The Connection to be part of so many community um, collaborations who focus on advocacy. But if, if I could say um, what folks at home can do for us now is to be part of that advocacy and make it known that people who provide homeless outreach services, people who work um, for for the Connection and other nonprofit providers in group homes, we are also frontline healthcare workers and we need the same access to resources, we need the same access to personal protective equipment um and we need that ongoing not just in a crisis situation i think you know some of my staff have told me that they've tried to order supplies online whether it's um via amazon or 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 other vendors and things are on back order because they've been prioritized for healthcare workers and we don't fall into that category unfortunately when it comes to that type of situation so i think that's really um, the most important thing for people to understand is that there are so many agencies across the state like The Connection who are doing this work and we need that same recognition so that we can be safe, we can provide services in a safe manner, we can protect the people that we serve, and we can protect our staff as well.
3: And the community, yeah. Absolutely, and the community, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And there, I've been working diligently with the uh, Nonprofit Alliance and other advocacy groups um, right now in Connecticut with regard to increasing the awareness uh, up at the legislative office building with both Democrats and Republicans that we are health care workers. And they're starting to acknowledge that. And I, I do feel that things are looking more positive in the sense of the awareness that we really are in the front lines. Uh, you know, uh, Blumenthal's been... Uh, and Murphy have been really supportive and really trying to advocate um, for nonprofit organizations that are providing the service that the, like the connection are, because you're right. We are there. We are in the front lines. Absolutely.
2: And yeah, yeah and that's the thing you've got to, if, if there's, you know, some good things will come out of this and maybe that's one of them is that people will open their eyes to all of the folks that really need to still be there when all hell is breaking loose, right? And I know, for example, uh, Lisa, The Connection had a webinar uh, the other day, which I thought was wonderful for anybody that wanted to attend. Um, So you're sharing your best practices. You were sharing, you know, what's working for this organization. You had other, you know, nonprofits um, on that webinar as well. And just really sharing ideas, sharing situations, sharing solutions. And, and that's available. And one of the things that The Connection seems to be focused on is offering training for other groups, other nonprofits. And if people yes. want more information on that, there's a lot of great information on the website, which is The Connection, Inc. The Connection, Inc. I never know if it's the or the. I think either is correct. <laughs> either is correct. Either is correct. <laughs> the, either. Yeah, the Connection dot org. So what is the situation right now, Teresa, as far as homelessness? When I think of homelessness on the outside looking in, I think of a transient community. Um, But these folks, I would assume, once they get to a shelter, once they get to a spot, they're there, correct?
1: Well, it, it is a limited period of time that they can be in the shelters. You know, what's happening right now throughout the state is that we've been working to decompress the shelters because So many of the shelters in the state don't have the physical space to practice any kind of social distancing whatsoever. Um, So what what the what the providers have been working on is decompressing those shelters and putting those individuals in hotels for the duration of the pandemic. And you know certainly that's had successes and challenges. Um, Another. Another issue that folks are working on is identifying a space for shelter residents who test positive for the virus and need um, time to isolate or self-quarantine. And you know what's what's really interesting about about this situation is that this is the first time in in all of my years working with the homeless population where we as providers say, if you have a camp set up somewhere in the woods and you are young and you are healthy enough, it's probably best for you to just stay there. Um, So certainly that's never been, um, that that message has never been something that we've sent to individuals before. But in this case, it it very well may be true because they have kind of an ability to naturally self-isolate rather than go to a shelter.
2: So in that case, are resources provided to those folks remotely or no?
1: So the resources that we would provide, um, well, first and foremost, we you know we've been working to make sure that our staff have the resources to provide because our staff are still going out and doing street outreach, and then we would make sure that the, those individuals who are on the streets know what the current situation is, where they can go for services, where they can go for food, because so many of our of our typical. Um, service providers for the homeless outreach um, population have had have had to modify things so for example doing meal delivery some soup kitchens are doing meal delivery rather than having folks actually come to the soup kitchen kitchen so they can prevent people from gathering in large groups so what we're out there doing every day is like i said making sure that the homeless population knows where they can get the resources that they need right now
2: lisa is um ceo of the connection and you've been you've got a long legacy um with that organization how do you see the situation today as far as the homeless population goes as to let's say when you first started at the connection
3: i i what i'm seeing is an increase of uh more mental health issues i'm seeing a rise in um a younger population, also mm-hmm. besides an older population, especially a younger population, which is alarming, mm-hmm. and I think the, the with the um, issues with fentanyl and other issues that are happening right now, that is a massive massive problem. And you know, I was I was seeing people begging. Um, in Danbury, you know, uh, literally standing in line where Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts were. This is a new thing that I've never seen um, in my town and even in Bethel, Connecticut. And, I, and, you know, just literally standing there, and they're young. Um, and, you know, think about, and I've seen families. I saw a family outside of Walmart in the parking lot um, saying that they were homeless and they have nothing because they've lost their jobs. So I guess what I'm seeing is an, an increase of, home, of the homeless population. I'm not necessarily seeing a decrease. I don't, I don't, Teresa. I, I think you know you can certainly weigh in on that, but I'm just seeing more and more of it, and it's extremely alarming.
1: I would, I would say also to add to that, what we're seeing is you know especially during um, COVID 19, we're Absolutely. seeing folks who are experiencing more marginal homelessness like Lisa yeah. said people are losing employment mm-hmm. and, and their homelessness is now excuse me, they're they're becoming insecurely housed is kind of the way that we say it um you know within the within the provider community is that their their housing is at risk. And so we're seeing far more of that I think as a result of this um situation than we were previously. So um it's, it's more important now than it has ever been before for homeless providers to continue to be on these front lines so we can try to avert crisis as much as we can.
2: And the thing is, we haven't even seen the true impact of this yet, right? As this continues, uh, I you know, I just can't even imagine it. I think a lot of us are in the situation where, you know, it's just... A paycheck away it's another rent check mm-hmm. can you make that rent check we see the lines you know out at Wrenchler field every day from food share for the people that just need some food mm-hmm. to survive so I'm sure this isn't even the tip of the iceberg and that's why again people out there need to understand and appreciate nonprofit agencies who really have been and now maybe there's a light shining on you for the reason that we all need to pay attention to this because it could be us. We could be next, right?
1: I, I I agree that the effects of this are going to be so long lasting. Mm-hmm. And it's so difficult for us right now to even imagine what those long lasting effects might be. And I think no one is immune. You know, we're in a situation now where we vulnerable populations when, you know, without COVID-19, we would often say, you know, we are here to serve the most vulnerable populations. And and now, although there are varying degrees of vulnerability, nobody is immune. Everybody's vulnerable. right.
2: All right, well, we've got a couple of minutes uh, left here. So, you know what is what is the best advice that you both can give to the folks that are listening to this program? Um, obviously, there's some great resources on the Connections website. Today, we're kind of focusing on the homelessness problem, but so many different programs, so many different resources. Two one one is always an entry point as well. But Lisa, you always talk about this. If the connection does not provide the service that somebody's looking for, you have referral agencies that they can go to. Correct? Absolutely.
3: Correct. We, if you reach out to us and we will connect you with services that you need, um, even if there it's something that, of course, we don't provide. We will, you know, we work with our partners in the state and will, you know, get you connected with anything that you need. And uh, basically, I, what I want to say is, um, you know, together, it sounds so cliche, but together we will get through this. Um, it will be difficult, um, but I think we have to not, we have to keep fighting the fight and not give in to. Um, you know, the frustration and putting each other um, and other ones at risk and really following the guidelines. And I just wish all of our listeners out there safety and health and, you know, please be well and reach out if there's anything that you need that we can help you with. We're certainly here for you.
2: Well, Teresa Ferraro, who is the Director of Behavioral Health at The Connection, thank you to yourself, your staff, and all that you do. We, We do appreciate it. And again, theconnectioninc.org is the website if you'd like more information. And of course, we want to thank all of you, our listeners, for tuning in to this edition of The Connection right here on WTIC News Talk 1080.